Good song, isn't it? Right? Enjoy. The old landmark still stands today. I know that. We all know that. We all know that. I guess we do. But I'm glad that I'm on the way. And don't, if I want to know more, I sure don't know it all. And I'm trying to learn more and more every day. Tonight I'm encouraged to serve the Lord. He has blessed me through this past year. He's been real good to me. I can't tell you, someone said that verse the other night, he, he's do a, a, exceedingly, a, a, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I said, well, he's done that for me. Just, you know, when they were saying that, he's done that for me. And I'm glad tonight that I'm able to be here. I'm glad that, you know, some people wanted to come and couldn't make it. And I'm glad I'm able to be here. Some couldn't come for first one reason or the other. Some were too sick and things of that nature. But I thank God that I was able to be here and to be with you all. And you all are my people. You all are my people. I love every last one of you here. Uh, I was thinking uh, about that a lot. And maybe we don't tell each other that enough. How much we do love and we care for each other. I'm going to tell you, there's not a bad feeling. There's not an ought. There's not a anything in my heart against yep. anybody that might right. do. I want to see every last one of us go. I want all of us to get along good. I want everybody to prosper. I want to see you get along good and make it to heaven. That is my heart's desire. I love you. I care for you. You have been a blessing to me. You have helped me. You have given me courage. You have had confidence in me, and you have helped me when I needed help. You have helped my children. You have done a lot for me, and I love you. And I say, let's all go together and do what we can to build each other up, to pray for each other, to help each other. And when people come in and says, I'm praying for you, I say, brother, I sure need it. I sure need it. And uh, that reminds me of Brother Joseph. He used to say that quite a bit, pray that the word would go out, and we sure miss, miss his presence here. And, but I'm thank God that, uh, you know, they were talking about, it's hard for me not to, uh, Brother Leon was talking about being thankful for the things that had been brought to him. And I, I'm not going to get started on that, but y'all know how I feel, I guess. But it's, uh, it's a very precious, precious, precious thing to me, and I don't want to discount it in any way, shape, or form. But I want you to know that you don't have to be of a certain family. You don't now. You don't have to have a certain grandparent or a grandfather. You don't have to have a certain name. You don't have to be a certain gender. You don't have to be a certain race. You don't have to be a certain nobody. But if you are willing to give your heart to God, you're acceptable with God. And one person is just as important as another person. We're all needed in the house of God. We're all needed in the kingdom of God. And don't think for one minute God loves any one person better than he loves another person. And neither do sanctified people. We love you just the same. It makes no difference. We want everybody to go. We want everybody to go. I do thank God for the heritage that was given me. Don't get me wrong now. I do thank God that it was things that were handed down to me, the examples that were set before me. And I was thinking about being here, you know, in this position, around this pulpit tonight. You know, I've, I've heard a many a good sermon come over this, over this pulpit. 
I believe the power of God has filled this place. I believe the power of God has been here. And I still believe, I still believe that his preacher should be filled with the Holy Spirit. I still believe that when it says, and Peter filled with the Holy Ghost stood up. I think God still wants his preachers to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I was right. I was reading about old Moses the other day. And you know, it reminded me, he, he went away and he got away on the hillside. I guess he thought well, nobody wasn't going to find him, but the Lord knew right where he was. He worked for Jeth with Jethro over there he was working for. And uh, he thought he was here, but God found him. And he appeared to him, you know. And sometimes I feel, you know, when the Lord's presence is there, it's a holy place. Oh, yes, it is. It is a holy place, and I reverence it, and I reverence it, and as we, and as we speak, and as we talk to our people, I think we should reverence this place. I think we should count this place not just another place, but if God is here, and His Holy Spirit is here, it is a holy place. And, uh, you know, he, he, he talked to him in a burning bush, and he told him, uh, uh, and Moses saw it, he seen it wasn't burned up. So he went over and see about it. And he says, Moses. It was the Lord talking to Moses. He's called his name twice. He said, Moses, Moses. Moses turned around and looked. He said, take off your shoes, Moses. Because you're on holy ground. Let me tell you, when the Spirit of God comes down, it's holy ground. And I believe when the Holy Spirit comes on his people, I still believe when God works with his people and God uh, talks through his people and he inspires his people and he works with his people, I think you need to pay attention. I think you need to listen to it because when the Spirit of God moves, it's still holy ground. Is that right? I believe that. I believe that. I believe when the Apostle Paul started writing, and God started moving on him, and he went out in the desert, was it about three years he went back? I believe when he came back, he was standing on holy ground. Man, did the Lord teach him something. The Lord told Moses, says, go down there. I, I don't know if I can get into all I was thinking about or not now. He says, how, 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 what am I gonna, who am I going to tell him sent me? You know, he said, to my, who am I going to tell him sent me? He said, tell him, tell him I am that I am. Tell him that I am sent you. Tell him that I am sent you. The Jehovah, the God of the universe, that's who the I am is. The God that created heaven and earth. And that was God the Father. And that was God the Son. And that was God the Holy Ghost. And they made man. And they created him in his own likeness. I'm getting ahead of myself. And his own image. He created them male and female. You know, if you want to start learning anything, and sometimes I talk too plain, I guess, and too blunt. And, 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 but we have to start talking about, thinking about spiritual things. If we expect to think about anything about if we want to know what God's will is concerning us we've got to get our minds and our thoughts away from material things for we look not on things that are seen but on things that are not seen for the things that are seen are temporal and the things which are not seen they are eternal we have to start now this is what the Bible God is a spirit 
You don't see him with your natural eye. You don't grab him with your natural hand. Never been that way. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, this Bible will tell you a lot about science, but it's not a science book. It'll, it'll tell you a lot, of, it's a lot of history. And it's accurate. And it's history. But it's not a history book. And it all adds up. But it's not a math book. And it all works together. But let me tell you, the Word of God was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it has to do with the inner man and what is contained in these pages. It is the things that pertain to the things that are unseen. It pertains to life and godliness and teaches us what we must do to be saved and have fellowship with the Lord and with each other. That's what this book is all about. You can be a millionaire, too, if you listen to this book, but I ain't that material stuff. But you can be a millionaire in, in the spirit. And Brother Billy was talking, you know, that's what I call a millionaire, those kind of things of that nature. But I was thinking, uh, the verse that's been on my mind, I'll just, I'll just get right to it. You know, when y'all ask me to do this, you know about what I'm going to say, don't you? Well... You know, you wonder why he just hammers and pounds and he hammers and pounds, you know, on, on this. But it doesn't, doesn't the gospel just stir something within you? Yes, yes it does. Doesn't the gospel, the, the reading of the word and the gospel, and when you talk about Jesus Christ being the Savior of the world, and you talk about our deliverer, and you talk about our redeemer, and you start talking about there's a way out of sin, there's a way to live free from the clutches of the devil, there's a way to live free from the shackles of sin, if there is a cure for carnality, don't it stir something within you? Not many people know about it. Not many preachers know about it. And I'm not trying to talk about anybody. But the world is full of sin pleaders. But let me tell you, if Jesus comes into your heart, you can have victory. And you can have complete victory in Jesus Christ. Well, you'll hear the same old stuff out of me probably every time. Most every time I get up here. But, One more time. But, you know, people are dead while they're walking around. That's what I was talking about, things that can't be seen. And in order for me to get spiritual life, it would probably, probably help me out if I knew what kind of death I've got in me. If I want to become alive, I need to realize a little bit about what kind of death I have. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached, the gospel which I preached unto you, which you have received, and wherein you stand. Now, I'm not going to read this whole chapter. <clears throat> but there's two verses. That was one verse. There's two other verses here. For since by man came death, we need to know what kind of death this is talking about. Am I right? For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And I believe with all my heart that God has always wanted a holy people. 
I believe that God has always wanted a people he could commune with, have fellowship with, walk and talk with, that would love him and he could love them and they would have the same spirit that would flow back and forth and that love would be reciprocated one to the other and man would have holy communion with God. I believe he's always wanted that. He created man in his likeness and in his own image created he them male and female. Now you've got to get away from the flesh to think about it like that. Created he them. God is a spirit. You don't see a spirit. But God created man with a God-like nature. He created him morally perfect. He created him to have somebody to love and somebody to, to care for and somebody to love him back. And they had union. They had fellowship. They had holy communion. And God made him that way. He was alive spiritually. He had part of God dwelling in his heart. But God give us that wonderful privilege and that wonderful opportunity to serve him by choice. Love don't work any other way. You don't force it. You just don't force love that way. But God allowed us a free moral agent to have a choice about to whom, to whom we will serve. And sure enough, Man transgressed. He told him one thing he couldn't do. Told him one thing he couldn't do. And the old serpent, God let that happen too so he would have a choice, came along and fooled Eve. And she in turn fooled Adam. And they partook of what God absolutely told them not to. And he says, in the day that you eat thereof, the day. I read that today. In the day that you eat thereof, ye shall surely die. The day you eat of it, you will surely die. Now there's one thing God can't do, and that's lie. There's three things he can't do, and one of them is he can't lie. So if he says you're going to die when you do this, you can be sure they died when they done it. How did they die? Well, he was over 100 years old, Adam was, when Seth was born. He lived to be about 930 years, I believe. I believe I read where it was about 930 years. So physically, he didn't die the day he did that. But let me tell you, he was cut off from God. He died inside. Death moved in. The devil took the throne of his heart. The devil took over. And that communion, and that fellowship, and that oneness, and that holiness he had with the Lord was lost. Talk about dying a terrible death. He died a terrible death. He lost the God. He lost his image of God. He lost fellowship with God. He lost communion with God. And Jesus Christ came into the world that we could have that fellowship restored. Believe it? Since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Bear with me just a little bit here. You know, I don't think we're just going to stumble into heaven. I don't think we're just going to accidentally get there, or we're just not going to do nothing and get there. 
or you know, we just gonna go by a few rules and regulations or join a society or something like that and get to heaven. Something happened to happen to us. We gotta be born again. We have to do something about it. God has to do something for us. We can't just go along. Something is in there that we need to get rid of. We're living in a condition that we just can't make it into heaven. Heaven is a holy place filled with glory and with grace. Sin can never enter there. Sin can never enter there. You know, people, I'm amazed at how people do something just because somebody else is doing something. You know, peer, peer pressure is a funny thing. It really is. It's a powerful thing. Well, this, this many people can't be wrong. They might. They just might be wrong. I don't know. If they're right, that's okay. But we don't go by numbers. We need to know by for ourselves. He says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There is a way we can know. There is a way we can know if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal into the heavens. I'm not trying to be cute or funny or anything like that. But I heard a, a story about, I, I didn't see it, that where they were going to play, make this little test or do this trick or do this something. They fill the elevator up with people. And they all face them to the back wall. This really happened. And they're going to see how the, you know, how peer pressure affects you. And they let a person in on that elevator. Nobody said a word. They was all standing looking at the back wall. Well, the guy got on the elevator. He had a camera on him. Didn't mind know it. He stood there, you know, and looked around. He looked around. Well, so sure enough, here he goes. He turned around. He started standing at the back wall. <laughs> Just because everybody else was staring at the back wall. That really happened. And let another known, you know. He looked around. He did that. First thing you know, he turned around and looked at the back wall. About seven out of ten turned around and looked at the back wall. Didn't know why they were doing it because everybody else was doing it. That's right. <laughs> Can't go that way though, can you? Let me tell you something. When it comes to going to heaven, Amen. and it comes to getting your soul right, you better not be looking at the back wall. Amen. You won't get out the door. You need to find out where you're going, what you're doing. It's important what you believe in. Yourself. Somebody's wrong out there. Somebody's looking in the back wall. Somebody's deceived. Jesus says, straight is the gate, and there is a way that leadeth to the life, and few there be that find it, because broad is the gate, and wide is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in there. But you are a peculiar people, a chosen generation. A royal priesthood that you should show for holy people. You know, sanctified people and people going to heaven are different from most everybody else. Is that too broad a statement? I, I hurt anybody's feelings. Didn't mean to do that. But you just can't go through life trying to be like everybody else. Mate. Just don't work that way. They did another little... <laughs> Getting carried away. They did another little test, you know, and they had this instructor with a ten, uh, ten, little bunch of people in there. He says, when I point this stick to the longest line, raise your hand. He had three lines. He's going to check out and see how peer pressure was with young people. He said, when I put my finger on the longest line, raise your hand. Well, they let another fellow slip in. All these other people were privy to what was going on, you know. So he put his finger on the next to the longest line. 
Everybody raised their hand, they were, you know, they were told to do that, except this one guy. And he looked around, you know, well, maybe I didn't hear him. Myself. So pretty soon he stuck his hand up. Yeah, really happened. So the instructor made it real clear. He said, I say, when I put my finger on the longest line on this board, raise your hand. So he put his hand, finger on the next to the longest line. Sure enough, that fellow looked around everybody else. He stuck his hand up again. Time and time again, they did that. You know, it's amazing what people do just because everybody else is doing it. But you'll never find the Lord going down that path. We need to wake up and realize there's more salvation and go along with the flow and with the crowd and doing what everybody else does. Maybe there is a way out of sin. There is a way out of bondage. You can have the old devil crucified in your heart. You can be holy and pure and regain your holiness like God wanted you to have from the very beginning. Well, you know, he said, tell them the great I am had come. Tell them that's how they know who he was, the great I am. But let me tell you, it says here in Hebrews, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. You know, we know what is, is. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I know what half means. I know what was is. I found that out when I was in grammar school. I know what is is. I know what past is. I know what presence is. I know what future is. You don't have to be real smart to know those things, don't you? Some of the smartest people in the world don't know what is is. My goodness. Following the crowd. Following the crowd. Half. <laughs> you know what half is? Half in these last days. You know when the last days are? Half in these last days. Look around you. You're in the last days. Half in these last days. Spoken unto us by his son. Who hath appointed heir to all things, by whom also he made the world. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And one day, one day, God decided to really turn his people from bondage. You know, there was a form of it when he worked with old Moses. There was a form of it, and he had the Passover, and the Passover was instituted. And the very last thing was when he told them to get the lamb without spot and without blemish and kill that lamb and sacrifice it and put the blood across the headers and down the littles. And when God came by with death, you would be delivered. But there come a day for the real Passover. There come a day when God, you talk about deliverance. He told the old devil, you've had enough. You've won your little battles. You've been sitting on your throne long enough. But I'm going to give a Passover that's going to really deliver my people. And they're going to be free indeed. I know I'm taking too long. With and one day. 
after 400 years. I'm going to defeat you, devil. Your time's short. You've won your little battles. I've let you go this far. But I've got my son coming into the well, and we're going to have victory. We're going to defeat the devil. We're going to be victorious. I'm going to conquer death. I'm going to conquer hell. And I'm going to conquer the grave through my son, Jesus Christ. Did he do it? Did he do it? Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and uphold all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of God took them away, he purged them being so much more better than angels he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. God in the form of the Holy Spirit made that miraculous conception on the virgin, the blessed virgin Mary. The Holy Ghost overshadowed her. And that holy thing that was born in her was a son of God. That Christ that part of God that had been with him from the beginning, that third part that became flesh and blood, and he became Jesus Christ, our sacrifice and Passover. I don't have no problems with that. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, hung on the cross, and he won the battle. Not only did he win it then, but the devil tried to get him before, right after he was born, remember? Herod sent down them folks, and they killed all the little boy babies. All the little boy babies down in there from two years and under. What a horrible, terrible thing. But he didn't get Jesus. But he didn't get Jesus. We're going to win now. We're going to win the war. And he tried to get him. When he's out there fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he had the power. He had this love. He had the Spirit of God. The, the Human was made divine so that this, this human here could be made divine. That divine Son of God was made human that you and I could have the same thing in our hearts and in our lives. But he was human when he went out there. When he come back and he was hungry. You hadn't had nothing to eat for 40 days. I don't think I'd have lasted. <laughs> I don't believe I'd have made it to 40 days knowing myself. Myself and my wife's cooking. I wouldn't have never made it 40 days. But he did. He says, if you be. He didn't walk up and say, hey, I'm the devil. See my pitchfork, see my horns. He didn't do that. If you be. If you be the son of God. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus recognized him, didn't he? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Don't do anything the devil wants you to do. If it's following the crowd, if it's looking at the back of the wall, if it's pointing to the wrong line, don't do it. Serve the Lord from the heart and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and it's getting awful late. All right. But that I am, he became the I am. He says, I am. Jesus said, 
I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. He says, I am. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He says, I, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. But I am the bread of life. And they will eat the bread that I will give them. They'll have everlasting life and live forever. He was that bread. He says, I am the door of the sheepfold. And if you'll come in by me, you'll go out and find in and out and find pasture. I am the door of the sheepfold. And if any man seek to climb it up any other way, the same is a thief and a robber. He was the I am, but there's one I am. That I like to read about. Can you get your mind off of temple things? Can you get your mind off of fleshly things? Can you get your mind off of things you can see with your eye and touch with your hands and things of that nature? Listen, this is one of the greatest sermons to me that's in the, that's in the Word of God. Jesus had a precious family that he loved. That consisted of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And he loved them with a special, special love. And one time Lazarus got sick. And Jesus stayed away. He didn't stay away because he didn't love him. He had a sermon to preach. He had an example to show. And she told him, Martha came out running, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. He might not have if Jesus had been there. You know, Jesus is life, isn't he? Don't know about that. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Since by man came death, listen now, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. You can have spiritual life if you'll listen to what the Word of God says. Forget about what you've learned. Forget about what you've been taught. Forget about what the newspapers say and the theologians and all this. But let's listen to what the Word of God says. Martha said unto him, I know thou shalt rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am. You know what is is? You know what am is? I am the resurrection and the life. Was it then? Yes, it was then. Is it now? Yes, it's now. He lives forevermore. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What kind of life are we talking about? And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. How does a dead man believe when you're lost in sin and you're dead to the Lord and you're all bound up by the chains of the devil and you can't help but sin and you've got all these habits? If you'll start calling on God and he'll forgive you of your sins and you get Jesus in your heart, he'll resurrect you from the dead works of sin. That's the truth. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive your mortal bodies. And you have to quicken who were dead in trespassing. You know what were is? Were. That's back yonder. Who were dead 
and trespasses and sin. Yes. Hell, we might know more than the president. <laughs> now, I'm not political. I, I'm not trying to be that way. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth, my goodness, whosoever liveth and believeth in me, I am that bread. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I've got life eternal dwelling in my heart. You know why? He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Thank you all for bearing with me, and it's time for closing. Pray for me.